We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. How, how many makers and cokes have you had? We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. I am Justin Graver, and joining me, as always, is Justin Mello. How are you doing tonight, Justin? I am doing well. Excited to talk about this position group uh, because there's a lot to sort through here, more than I think the average fan probably realizes. No doubt about it. Tonight, we are continuing our series, basically previewing our expectations for this Tennessee Titans team this year, but breaking it down by position group. We've covered the tight ends. We've covered the defensive line on last week's show. So we're flipping back to the offensive side of the ball to finish up the trenches with the offensive line tonight. We're going to preview our expectations for the offensive line, what that even means for an offensive line, because it's not like you have stats, you know, unless you're tracking pancake blocks or sacks allowed pressures allowed i guess is an is a no-line stat but unless you're tracking those things you know there's not really stats for o-line right so we'll talk about our expectations and we're gonna read some listener expectations submitted on twitter getting get into all that tonight but did you know fun fact if you're listening to this on friday the day it comes out we are exactly four weeks away from the tennessee titans playing football preseason football that's how wow. close it is. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, you wouldn't. Uh, I knew we were close, but when you put it like that, four weeks away, that's that's really that's exciting. It's exciting stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. And uh, before we, again, before we get to our O line expectations, I want to talk about one piece of news that came out earlier this week. Titans will be playing this year the Los Angeles Rams, who, of course, everyone will remember when they were the St. Louis Rams, they beat the Titans in the Super Bowl. In the 1999 season in February 20 in February 2000, well, the Rams announced that they are going to be wearing the throwbacks that they wore that season three times in this 2021 year, and in one of those games, it's going to be the Titans at Rams Sunday Night Football game in November. What do you think about the Rams announcing that they will be wearing their Super Bowl throwbacks for this game against Tennessee? I mean, you know, can you really blame them? You know what I mean? Good, good for them. It's a smart thing to do. It's, it's a sly little thing to do. And uh, I, I don't blame them one bit. If it was the other way around, I, I would fully expect the Titans to do the same thing. I mean, yeah, we talk about it all the time, how we want the Titans to wear the Oilers throwbacks at Houston, right? Like, just because it would be throwing it in their face. Like, so I agree. If you're the, if you're the Rams in this situation, it's not like it actually has any outcome on the game. None of the players or coaches who are involved in the Super Bowl matchup will be involved in this game. So maybe some fun nostalgia, something for the broadcasters to talk about, but doesn't actually have an impact on the outcome, but it'll be a fun thing, a fun storyline for that week as, cause you know, it's going to get talked about a lot. In other news, the Titans announced this week that they will be adding three new members to the team's ring of honor. That's displayed in Nissan stadium, which Paul Kaharski pointed out might need a refresher the way those banners are displayed. They're pretty plain. They, they, they don't look great. Paul, Paul's got a good point. <laughs> yeah. They don't look great. So maybe ta- Amy should do something about that. But the three people who are being added to the ring of honor are former head coach, Jeff Fisher, who took the Titans to that super bowl. We just talked about 
former coach Bum Phillips, who was the coach of the Oilers for a long time, and former general manager Floyd Reese, who also was the was there for the Titans Super Bowl appearance that year against the Rams. So there you go. Three new members for the Ring of Honor. I think all three guys equally deserving in their own way. Any thoughts yeah, on this? I mean, there's no argument here. There's no doubt about it. You know, Jeff Fisher, of course, unfortunately turned into a bit of a meme by the end of his career, all the eight and eight stuff. Uh, but there's no doubt about it that Jeff Fisher was a terrific head coach at one point in time. And, and you could argue, I mean, some of the most fun years to be a Titans fan, the teams I fell in love with, uh, in the, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, th- those were Jeff Fisher teams and they were terrific teams. And uh, Fisher's a big reason why I think a lot of us are probably fans uh, of yeah. this franchise because of those years. Floyd Reese was with the team for 20 years, 86 to 06. Uh, he built those teams, th- those, th- those top teams in the late 90s, early 2000s. That was his brainchild. No argument there. Again, that ended a little bit poorly uh, with him, you know, really got into some cap trouble. There was the McNair situation, which ended ugly, but Floyd Reese did, did a terrific <laughs> job for a long time and belongs there. And then uh, Bum Phillips, you know, former head coach, I think a lot of older Titans fans who started, you know, of course, as Oilers fans probably fell in love with the Oilers during that whole love you blue era when Phillips was the head coach. So no doubt about it. All three of these men are incredibly deserving of this honor. Yeah. So congrats to them and their families. And that'll be exciting when the Titans will probably do some pregame or halftime thing at some point this year. And that'll be fun. Hopefully they do it against the Colts because they think the Colts did it against the Titans last year or the year before. And I feel like, I hate those so, stupid mental edges. <laughs> they've already on, they've already announced, in case you miss it, that the ceremony for Bum Phillips uh, will be against the Colts. <laughs> so it's funny you say that. The September 26th game against the Colts, that's when they're going to do the Bum Phillips ceremony. Flo- uh, Fisher and Floyd Reese will be honored together, but they haven't announced which game yet. Nice. Thank you. That'll for be that. the same ceremony for them. And, and that makes sense. I mean, that, that was their era together. So, right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Glad you had that extra bit of info. Thanks, Justin. All right. That'll do it for the news. Let's talk about the offensive line. As usual, I'm going to start off just by running through the names. These are in no particular order, just the order that they were listed on the Titans roster page. Here we go. Big, long list of names. All offensive linemen currently on the Titans 90-man roster. Most likely we'll make it to training camp, but who knows? John Robertson's always churning, so one or two of these names may not be there by the time training camp gets here. But here's the list. Aaron Brewer, Ben Jones, Daniel Munyer, Cole Banwart, Adam Kuhn, Roger Saffold, Nate Davis, Chandon Herring, Elijah Nkansa. 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 Thank you. (laughs) David Quisenberry, Kendall Lamb, Paul Adams, Christian DeLauro, Brandon Kemp, Taylor Lewan, Dylan Radins, and Ty Sambrello. 17. There's 17 guys there. How, how many spots are they competing for? You got to think it's nine or 10 probably, right? I right. mean, obviously some of these are locks. So. so who's a lock? Let's get the locks out of the way. I mean, the who's starters, a lock? I mean, uh, the starting, I mean, Ben Jones. Yep. Taylor Lewan. <laughs> Ben Jones, Roger Saffold, Dylan Radins, Kendall Lamb, Nate Davis. Yeah, I say Kendall Lamb for sure. Tyson Brelo. I don't know if he's a lock. It's him or Kusenberry, and they seem to like Kusenberry around these parts. They also brought Sombrello back, right? I mean, it's just a one-year deal, but... 
I think there's a lot. There's probably more competition. You know what? I think I would stop calling anyone a lock after. I mean, the obvious starting four from, you know, left to right. And then at right tackle, I would add in Lamb and Radiance as locks. I think those would be my six locks. And then, of course, I would rank Kissenberry and Sombrelo and and Aaron Brewer, probably my next three that that are likely. I mean, you know, there may only be one spot actually between Kissenberry and Sombrelo. That's what I'm saying. Because you've got Luan, yeah, you've got Luan, Lamb, and Raiden. So you're not going to, I don't think you're not going to keep five offensive tackles, right? I don't think so. Probably just one spot for Raiden, uh, sorry, for Sombrelo or Kissenberry. So I would say six locks. One of those two make up your number seven. And then there's probably two interior spots. Right. Aaron Brewer. That's tough. It, it's and you know what? I'm excited about it. Let's talk about some of these guys individually. Some of these yep. roster bubble guys that maybe people don't know as well. Um, just throw a name at me. Let's, let's just rapid fire. So let's talk about Daniel Munyer. Made the initial 53 man roster last year. They kept 10 offensive linemen, which is probably more than they'll keep this year. But I mean, it's a lot. I mean, they could, they could do it again. They got 17 of them. You know what I mean? So it's with Lawan coming off heavy. an injury with a lot of like, we're talking about how many guys have proven that they can at least hold their own on that line. I mean, sure. Sembrello and Questenberry needed help and, and the offense t- Ryan Tannehill's drop back time to throw or whatever efficiency and all that offensive line stuff stats been floating around Twitter this week. Um, yeah, big hit when Lawan was out. So definitely a, a noticeable drop off. But still, those guys, I mean, the offense was still good, you know, even with those guys in on the line. So they proved they can play. So there's a lot of guys that have proven they can play. What are they doing with uh, with the Adam Kuhn, who they've, uh, who I they mean, think uh, can convert? If you from... had to ask me if there's one person on this list that doesn't stand a chance, I'd probably be the first name I'd give you, to be honest with you. I mean, it's, yeah. it's going to be, it's an uphill battle. Right? He's never played football, right? I mean, how right. do you join a, a team? Like the average Titans fan will probably look at this roster and say, who the heck is Daniel Munyer? That guy doesn't have a chance. Well, newsflash, he made the 53-man roster last season. He start, It's not like they cut him a week later. They didn't cut him until November. That's a good eight, nine, ten weeks. Then they added him to the practice squad pretty much immediately. And he was active for a couple games late in the year. Remember, they had that whole rule where you can bring guys up from the practice squad, make them active, then they revert back. So Munier was pretty much around all of last season. So I'm not saying he's a lock, obviously. But I'm saying to look at that name and write him off would probably be silly. Absolutely. Uh, What about someone like Chandon Herring? Don't get me started talking on Chandon Harry because I can probably talk more about him than any 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 person in Tennessee. Look, I, I interviewed the kid uh, as soon as he signed with the Titans as a UDFA. That interview's up now on Broadway Sports if you haven't had a chance to read it. It's been up for a couple of months, so you've probably read it if you listen to this. But uh, a kid coming out of BYU who's super athletic. Go, everyone loves the relative athletic score, right? Go look him up. He played a lot of tackle. and uh, He also played some guard. The relative athletic score, they've got him at a 9.84. That is as a guard, though. So those are the guard measurables. Look, he's 6'6", 307s. The weight's not terrific, but he ran the 40 in 5.05 seconds. It's an elite time. The split times are elite. The three-cone time is 7.65. That's an elite score. The shuttle time was great at 4.69. Not elite, but very good. The vertical, 29-inch vertical, uh, over a nine-foot broad. I mean, the kid blew it up. 
at BYU's Pro Day. Everyone watched a lot of Zach. I mean, if you're a draft guy, you watched a lot of Zach Wilson tape like I did coming out. You'll notice that BYU had a terrific offensive line. Chandon Herring started every game last season on that line. He's played pretty much every position across that line for the last three or four seasons. He's an interesting kid. Versatility is there. Athletics are there. When I interviewed him, what did he talk about? BYU, bit of a zone system. He's very similar with the scheme that he's coming into here in Tennessee. I think obviously it's going to be an uphill battle for him because of how many names are here. But I think I'll be, you know what, put it this way. Is anyone, does anyone ever make a definitive statement about Chandon Herring in their lives? I'll probably going to be the first one to say this. I will be shocked if Chandon Herring doesn't at least end up on the practice squad. Shocked. There you go. If there's an injury, that's a different story. But the athletic ability, the position versatility, how he played in college, good football player, should have been drafted. Where else are you getting this kind of insight, folks? I mean, come on. Chandon Herring, right? Give me a break. What about talk about Paul Adams for me for a second here? I know you've spent some time with him as well. Paul Adams, I recently spent some time with him, University of Missouri. Get this you, again, I, I love telling these stories because people don't, you know, who, you look at the roster, who's Paul Adams? He grew up in Nashville. I think that's really cool, right? Was a fan of the Titans. He said, not only did he grow up in Nashville, he was, I, I rooted for them every Sunday. I sat on the couch, I watched Titans football with my jersey. He was at the Music City Miracle. One of the first games he ever attended. Really cool story. He remembers it like it was yesterday. He tells a great story about being at the Music City Miracle. Get this. I, I, it's weird to say this because Taylor Lewan doesn't strike me as a guy that's very old. right? I think we all agree Taylor Lewan's not an old player. When Paul Adams went to the University of Missouri out of high school, he wore number 77 because he idolized Taylor Lewan. So now he gets to play alongside him, at least, you know, throughout they'll be together during camp preseason. I asked him, he goes, you know, I don't really know him that well yet because he came in, Paul Adams, middle of last season on the practice squad. When he came in, Luan was already out hurt. He's like, so I, I didn't get to spend a lot of time with him like I would have liked to, uh, but he's looking forward to it. I can tell you that much. That's what he told me. So great kid. Uh, we talked about Nashville restaurants where he likes to eat. I had a lot of fun with him. He's from Bellevue, by the way, which is which is pretty much Nashville. Wow. So I don't know how, what kind of chance he stands either, but I mean, he spent time on the practice squad last year. So He's not someone you can just write off right away. Like he's not some random guy. Like most Titans fans might as might assume or think. Um, who else on this? Who else on this list here are you familiar with? Yeah, I mean uh, Elijah in Kansas has been around the league for a little bit. Uh, he, he's newer to the Titans. Former University of Toledo guy. I got to spend some time with him recently as well. I'll tell you a fun story about that. I didn't realize how many Toledo players, uh, Toledo alums were on the Titans. You got Elijah in Kansas, you got Logan Woodside, you got Tazar Skipper, and you got Brett Kern. And to make things even more, a little bit more fun is in Kansas, um, uh, Woodside and Skipper were at Toledo at the same time, right? So they were wow. all teammates there. Talked to in, in Kansas, talked to Cesar Skipper a little bit the other day as well. I spoke with him. They were going at each other in practice. These are one-on-one -on -one reps, pass rushing reps, obviously. Uh, Skipper being an outside linebacker in Kansas, being a tackle. Uh, but that, that's a fun kid as well. And he, he's been in the league for a couple of years. So say what you will, but he's found a way to hang around. So he that that's a really good kid. Christian Delaro is one of the newer names on this list. Uh, just signed a couple months ago. Again, has hung around the league, spent some time with the Houston Texans. Uh, chances are Titans know him pretty well, right, from his time in Houston. Brandon Camp was a UDFA last season, 
Ryan, he's still around. He was, I think, spent most of last year on the practice squad. So that's another guy they obviously see something worth developing in. And Cole Banwart is a UDFA from this cycle. They had two offensive linemen UDFAs from 2021, Herring being the first that we discussed, and Banward being the second. University of Iowa kid, interior guy, can play some guard, can play some center. Uh, what I like about him, and it's, you know, I, I hate to generalize, but, uh, but I'm, I'm doing it in a good way, of course. University of Iowa, a factory for offensive line play. I mean, you look at the NFL, these, these guys are sending linemen to the league every single year. So no, Cole Banward wasn't drafted, but I promise you he got the best coaching you can possibly get as an offensive lineman in university. I love that he's coming from that factory there. And I, I spent a couple, uh, there's an interview with him as well, by the way, on Broadway right now for a couple months old. I published it right after the Chandon Herring one. Uh, but that's a kid that loves ball. So I'm excited to see how this position group stands out. I think I just talked about every single name on this list that uh, the average fan or listener probably isn't familiar with. Yeah, so that's that's a full thorough run through of the offensive line candidates here to make the team for the Titans. Let's talk about some of the top of the depth chart names now. The Roger Saffolds, the Taylor Lewans, the Nate Davises. Nate Davis getting some love out there. Roger Saffold getting some love on... Uh, good morning football from Peter Schrager saying that he's one of the most underrated players in the NFL. And obviously Taylor Lewan has been to three Pro Bowls in his career. So I want to ask you, do you think the Titans will produce a Pro Bowler on the offensive line this year or more than one? And before you answer, I want to remind you, Derrick Henry ran for 2000 yards last year and not a single Tennessee Titans offensive lineman made the pro bowl. I think there's going to be insane. some, I think That's there's insane. It is. It's insanely silly, but I think there's going to be like, there was a lot of talk about that after that happened. I think there's going to be some like leftover, like, I don't know, remorse by pro voters. Ang oh, anger chip on the shoulder kind of thing. Ch well, chip on the shoulder from the, from the guys themselves going out there. But I was going to say from the voters to who feel remorseful for, they were like, Oh yeah, we should have probably put, somebody right. in so that this so this year if derrick henry is even close to what he was last year and by the way he might be just as good or better um with taylor lawan back for a full season you hope if you know if he has another great year i think you'll see a lot of guys possibly two or three guys getting at least in the yeah, conversation I, for the pro bowl so anyway over to you i think you'll definitely see at least one and I would predict that you'll see two and, and it could be any of them look ben jones doesn't get the respect he deserves uh, he's brilliant. I spoke to Aaron Brewer the other day. And when I asked him to describe what Ben Jones is like for me, uh, he had a great quote. For me. He said, Ben Jones is a genius. I don't know how else to put it. Uh, I've never really met anyone that knows football, another player as well as Ben Jones. Ben Jones knows football at the back of his hand. That's what Aaron Brewer said to me. He, he's a guru. He's a genius. Those were his exact words. And I believe that. I think the Titans love Ben Jones. Mike Rabel loves Ben Jones. And have you uh, heard, um, have you heard Taylor Lewan talk about like, when Ben Jones knows it's going to be a big play, like <laughs> I don't think I have. That's terrific. Like the like, Tannehill put the play call in, or whatever. It's like a long string of West Coast offense words, right? And like a tiny piece of that is the protection. And Taylor Lewan, like, here's his protection. He's like, all right, I know what I got to do. But Ben Jones hears the full play call, and he's like, oh, this is going to be a deep shot. And if we hold our our line on this one play this is going to be a touchdown and lawan has talked about this on busting with the boys that like when ben jones says just hold on this one and we're scoring a touchdown that it like pumps lawan up before the play to like 
hold his block for that extra tenth of a second so that you know the the touchdown can come. And I, I just think and, that and that's it probably so happens. awesome. Probably yeah, happens I mean, more often than not, right? That's so, the impact that Jones has that people just don't even think about. I spend a lot of time talking about, of course, the bottom half of this depth chart, but I'm excited to discuss a little about the top half because I mean, you have mentioned this on previous episodes, but I think it's gonna be a really good offensive line this year. I'll be surprised uh, if this isn't a very good. I think the only way this isn't a very good offensive line is if it's derailed by injury. So I think it would be fair to question the depth. I don't think there's a lot of good depth in the NFL period when it comes to O-line play. I'll challenge you on that a little bit on the depth here, just in terms of, like you said, there's not a lot of good depth. So relative to the rest of the league, I mean, like I already talked about David Quisenberry and Tyson Brelo, you know, that's solid tackle depth. I mean, there are yeah. starting tackles in the there league that are not. Depth. And that's going to be your yeah. number four tackle. One of them. Right. Yeah. With, with, with Raiden's in the full two and, and lamb and then Aaron Brewer. I mean, he's an undersized guy, but that's a pretty quality Loved him. guard Loved him depth. Last season. Loved and I him. think I think Raiden's gives you another piece of potential guard depth that you didn't even have last year. And the, the offensive true. line was was pretty banged up last year. Did um Ben Jones miss a couple games and Brewers started a couple games and I obviously think Sa- Saffold out. missed one or two. Saffold missed Saffold one. Saffold was banged and... up all year. Saffold came out of a lot of games. Right. Uh, that he didn't fully miss, but he came out of a few. And then uh, Aaron Brewer started the Ravens game. That was Aaron That's Brewer's right. first career start during the season. And he was terrific and in that game. That was a huge game for Henry. Had that big game winning run. And, and right. um, you know, obviously Lawan out. And then his backup, Sembrello, also getting hurt. And it's like the, yeah. the offensive line dealt with about as as brutal a year Isaiah Wilson wise. quit football. I mean, it's not, <laughs> their first round pick just goes a lot just of great peace depth. out. Um, peace yeah. Out. So. You know, they dealt with all that last year. I can't imagine it going worse than that. I mean, That's so true. we've we've seen what they can endure. I think, I mean, name a better offensive line in the NFL. It's it's tough. I think you're going to see the Titans routinely ranked among the top of the offensive line groups when we start seeing these lists come out over the next month, which we certainly will. I think will, so, too. Know. And I think a lot of people, they'll probably be underrated, truthfully, once we start seeing these lists come out. I, 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 would, I bet you, but... But I think a lot of people who are, you know, there's so much noise. Oh, Derrick Henry is going to tail off at some point, and the 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 the, the workload, blah 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 blah, the trade on the tires, blah 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 blah. <laughs> I don't think enough people are giving credit to how good this O line is and how easy they're going to make his job. The holes are going to be there. You're going to tell me Derrick Henry's going to fall off a cliff where he's not going to hit the holes, even? That's not going to happen. So I'm not fat. I mean, injuries one thing. He's never really been hurt. Uh, I'm not factoring in a fall off for Derrick Henry, mostly because, I mean, not only, of course, is he supremely talented and different than every other running back in the NFL, but this offensive line is going to be terrific. I mean, Taylor, not enough, Taylor Lewan. I mean, getting Lewan back. People yeah. aren't talking enough about That's one of the better left tackles in the NFL. Like, what's crazy to me is, is you, I mean, the Titans lost a lot this offseason, no doubt yes. about it, but there are things to to potentially offset what, could have been big losses. Art Smith, Corey Davis, Johnny Smith, you know, you get Julio Jones, you get Taylor Lewan back. That's a thing that, that can be a big offset. If Raiden's is good quickly, I mean, you're looking at a potential upgrade at both tackle spots early on. Absolutely. I mean, that would be huge. Yeah. So with Julio Jones in the fold, you got a receiver that can create separation quickly. The offensive line's job gets easier. So I'm looking at this offensive line thinking top one of the top in the league 
Absolutely agreed. I think the average fan who probably doesn't know a lot about this team will look at the depth chart and say, ooh, you know, if they're going to point out a weakness, they're probably going to say right tackle. Right. I think most people with the average educated fan will say certainly, oh, un- tackles it's certainly unproven. It's certainly unproven. unproven. And that's yeah. and that's fair. Right. That's fair. But with that said, I will be very surprised, very, very surprised if they don't get a bu- competent to above average play from the right tackle spot. Because with all the options that they have, I find it very hard to believe that between Kendall Lamb, between Dylan Radens. And between one of, let's say, Sombrello and, and David Kissenberry, that they're going to be flat out bad at right tackle. I would actually be very surprised if that's the case. I don't think it's going to be their best position across the line, but I will be shocked if it's a position that kills them or holds them back whatsoever. 100% agree. All right, let's get into some listener comments. How do you sit? What do you say? That sounds great. There were a lot of people interacting. Uh, about this when you put this out there they, they wanted to hear their comment let's let's get into it and let's comment maybe quickly on them yeah and my bad everyone last week i meant to put out a tweet asking about the d-line <laughs> i forgot so i'm sorry but whatever we got o-line tweets here so let's start right at the top of my got some big reply, guy tweets. <laughs> reply list here tyler coupler at teacup 15 says yes i think it will be better than last year i actually think ben jones might finally make his first pro bowl that goes for Nasty Nate as well. Right tackle will be a problem early. People have made Dennis Kelly out to be such an easy replacement. Kelly was pretty solid last year. Thoughts on that? I did comment? like Kelly. I did like Kelly last year. I really did. And I commented on that a couple of times when they let him go. Um, but again, like we just said, I'll be surprised if they don't get some good play from the right tackle spot. That is one thing we didn't really t- touch on there is the losses. Obviously, Isaiah Wilson shouldn't count as a loss, but as a lost traffic. But yeah, a Dennis net. Kelly, <laughs> a net, yeah, a net gain maybe. But Dennis Kelly being a starting right tackle who has walked in free agency, you know, it's one of what three, three or they four starters. Him. That's right. Sorry. Yes, they decided that Dennis Kelly's salary was not worth paying, and it was uh, low. The level of it was play. not a lot of money. It was not a lot of money that they saved in, after accounting for dead cap. So, you know, I they basically I, just gave his money to Kendall lamb, by the way. Right. So I thought it's very similar. So I thought that that was interesting. And he played through a lot of injuries last year too. I mean, he was on the injury report as someone who wrote the injury report right. for Broadway <laughs> every week. He was on the injury report, almost every single practice with a toe or an ankle or some ailment that was bothering him. So he played through a lot of injury last year, but he, I think that, I think fans somewhat overrate, Dennis Kelly, you know, I, I mean, he was like him. He's a guy that's it easy is, to like. He's a great, I feel like he's a great person. He's got a great personality. He's got the long hair. He was the Titans COVID coordinator person or whatever last year. Player so rep, wasn't he or something? Wasn't he player, player rep, rep or something? Yeah. 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 So very likable personality. And I think a great guy overall. And like, you do hate to see him go in, in such a like brutal. It's a, just a business kind business. of yeah, it's a manner. Business. Um, but that is the way it went down. But I do think overall the Titans aren't necessarily going to miss him. The Titans players will miss their friend in the locker room, but as a team performance-wise, I don't think the Titans will miss him, to be honest. I I think they'll be okay because of all the options they have there at right tackle. Yeah. TGP79 at TG Pickham says, no Pro Bowls, but overall one of the best lines in the NFL. Just no coverage or talking about them like usual. So, <laughs> hey, I mean, I not that possible. different from what it was last year. So, could be a very realistic point of view. 
our buddy Jamal at Jamalisms uh, threw a, a Lego GIF at us that says everything is awesome. So that's fine. I like I'm not going to disagree with you, Jamal. <laughs> Our, our buddy Zach from F-Words Pod said, uh, if, in accordance with what he said about the tight end position, he now tells us that the offensive line, on some plays, they will run block. Mm. Then on other plays, they will pass block. That's, Hard to disagree with true. that take. That is big if true. <laughs> um, Southside Mando at White Sox Mando says, Taylor Lewan will get to the Pro Bowl, maybe Roger, but I expect a bug year from Nate Davis. And then he corrected Probably himself. Big year, I would think. <laughs> he corrected himself. Big year. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I mean, look, Luan's been to the Pro Bowl three times. I feel like a lot of guys who make the Pro Bowl have to have a reputation of making the Pro Bowl. Right. So yep. Taylor Luan has that reputation. So that wouldn't surprise me one bit. Agreed. Uh, I totally agree. I, I I think there's a lot of love for, for Nate Davis in these comments. Stony, Stony, Stony at Stony Von Owens says Nasty Nate Davis should have been a Pro Bowler last year. Hopefully he gets some respect this year. I, kind of agree with that. I, I think it takes a really smart football fan that pays attention to all 32 teams to know how good Nate Davis is. Look, he was uh, his first really good season in the NFL. He's a third round pick out of the University of Charlotte. Not a whole lot of buzz coming out. Bit of a small school guy. Uh, you'd really, really have to know your stuff if you're not a Titans fan to know how good Nate Davis was last season. Right. And we've seen some love for him on Twitter, but it, not really any big national media buzz no. about him yet. But we could see some of that start to develop this year. Uh, Derek Henry's burner at Casual Titan Fan 3 says, Should be an elite group. I expect Raidens will get an opportunity early, and hopefully he can get his struggles out of the way by the playoffs. I would love to see Nate Davis make the Pro Bowl, but if anyone does, it'll probably be Lawan or Saffold from name recognitions. Kind of the same idea. You know, for a, for a guy who's got a handle at casual titans fan doesn't sound all that casual you know your stuff my man i i, I like it I, I mean i think there's a lot of good points there that's our buddy craig um jonathan klinger at klinger jonathan says will be better due to left tackle health and right tackle talent improvement will miss Ooh. more games in the interior than last year but will survive it so a little prediction there from jonathan hopefully not i mean guys i mean guy, look guys like sanfold and jones the thing i'll say about them is they they spend their time banged up but boy, are they tough SOBs. You know, if they can play, they're going to play. So unless it's something really serious, uh, you would hope, you know, guys like Ben Jones and Roger Staffel are, are not going to miss a ton of time. That's very true. Those guys don't, those guys don't like to miss time. That's very true. All right. Last one I got for you is Jacob Sane, who we mentioned on our tight end pod at Jay Sanity asks a question of us over under 10 and a half games started for Raidens. I think lamb starts at least five games. What do you think? Oh, that's tough. That's a good question. And shout out to him for being a loyal listener, by the way, because if we mentioned him on the tight end pod, then he obviously uh, is probably a weekly listener. That's right. a really tough. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to go with the he said over under 10 and a half. Yeah, I'll go over. I'll take the over. Yeah, I think so, too. I think the Titans like him a lot, and I think we're going to see a lot of Dylan Raidens this year. Yeah, I think he wins the right tackle job fairly early, if not from week one. Uh, fairly early. Agreed. We're seeing a, like a, all the opposite things we we heard about Isaiah Wilson early on have <laughs> been said about Raidens. Just nothing but good things. And football the, the guy, guys, man. The guys on F Spot talked about it recently that that Tehran revealed that the Titans had been working Raidens at every position on the offensive line except center. So left to right, just not center. 
So they've obviously been preparing him to be like one, one of their primary backups, or they're just who knows? Maybe they're just trying him out, seeing what he take, what 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 he's good at. But I look, I remember having this debate when they drafted him. I think he's a tackle. I think you drafted him to be a tackle. Uh, where you took him in the second round. I mean, I think even I don't even think John Robinson hit it from the fact that he's a tackle, right? I think at one point someone pressed Robinson on saying it's another pick spent on a right tackle. And Robinson said, Yeah, well, we think it's a premium position. So I, I think he's a right tackle. I'll I'll be fairly surprised if they don't see him that way. But with that said, if Kendall Lamb is your uh, week one starter, then it makes sense to have Radens as potentially uh, your top backup uh, at four positions on the line, right? At, at both guards and both tackle positions. So uh, I like the kid. I'm a big fan. I spent a lot of time talking about him since they drafted him. Got a chance to interview him before the draft. He's the football guy through and through. Grew up in Becker, Minnesota. Loves balls. Been playing it his whole life. Uh, I think that the, the franchise fit here and the culture fit makes a lot of sense. I agree. And I'm excited to see what he can do uh, as such a polar opposite to the last right tackle they drafted before him. Polar so. opposite he is. <laughs> All right. Well, we did it. We we previewed the offensive line expectations for 2021. Any last thoughts about this group before we get out of here? Uh, not really. Just A, really excited to see who makes the final roster. I think we agreed on uh, six locks and maybe a seventh when you say one of some uh, sombrello or kissenberry probably makes it uh, but other than that you, you may have two three extra spots right that's whether that's an, uh, an aaron brewer or a daniel munyer or chandler well Aaron's. predict it then you want me to predict <laughs> you want me to predict it let's do it let's pick nine let's pick nine okay if i'm going nine i go aaron brewer ben jones is two saffold three davis four Lamb five, Luan six, Raiden seven. I go Sombrello eight, and I will go. That's tough. I'll go Chandon Herring nine. Ooh, that'd be fun. UDFA. Cool. And then there'll be a few practice squad guys for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think Paul Adams probably remains a practice squad guy. I think he's got some eligibility remaining. Uh, if Munyer, I mean, I have the rules are so you know difficult to to remember on the fly with the practice squad, but I think if if they're eligible, guys like Munyer uh, in Kansas, and as I said, Paul Adams, I think those guys would be prime candidates that they'd like to keep around on the practice squad. I saw some talk about this. I don't know what the final decision was or if there's been one, but about keeping the same rules they had during COVID, meaning that anyone can basically can basically well that's right last year you could have pretty much anyone on the practice yeah squad. there was they no they didn't a couple teams add like 36 year old veterans yeah there was like no restriction on yeah there's like a how... retired guy i think at one point that was added yeah. to a practice squad because <laughs> why not yeah so i think they talked about extending those rules this year at least in in i saw something about the ir staying only a three-week thing with the same basically the same rules as last year so we'll see if they do that Look, i, I love it i'm all for it i'm all about I hope they do. let's expand it let's expand the way we view the league there is no reason a guy should not be able to be on the practice squad because he's been in the league for five six years whatever it is who cares let's keep whoever we want on the practice squad fully agree put will compton on the practice squad <laughs> Who oh, Will Compton? I, I don't know where that came from, but I am all for it. You know Will wants uh, to stay in Nashville. He's probably one of the best personalities in all of the city, so I am very much for that. 
One thing we haven't talked about at all that I kind of want to get your thoughts on here before we run is the Titans, the tit- where the Titans have fallen in these rankings ESPN's doing. Titans are getting a lot of love. I mean, Tannehill was a totally, totally snubbed. snubbed. I, mean, uh, I mean, Kyler Murray above him. That's that's I don't it, know about all that. But. Greedy had a great rant that our Wes from Broadway Titans draft tape on Twitter posted on Twitter and Instagram everywhere. Yes. Great, great little rant from Greeny there defending Ryan Tannehill, calling him the most disrespected player in all of sports. That's wow. pretty that's pretty bold. That's a bold statement. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> you can get a good I, I can't think of who else I would put on that list, but he, I guess he's probably up there a little bit. I mean, he was snubbed, but at least, you know, Big let's time. let's end po- on a positive note. Outside of that snub, because we do agree he belongs in the top 10, uh, a lot of Titans players on that list. Henry, number one running back. Julio, number five receiver. A.J. Brown, number 10 receiver. Bud Dupree. Was Bud Dupree? Bud Dupree. Wait. I don't there know. were five Titans, I think. Hmm. I, don't, I don't know if Henry. Henry was one. First of, of all running backs. Henry, Julio, A.J. Brown. Taylor Lewan. Did you say Taylor Lewan? It's definitely Taylor Lewan. Might have been Lewan. It was 100% Lewan. There was a fifth. It was either Bud Dupree or, or uh, I don't think and it was think Ben Jones. Tannehill and... Ben Jones or Bud Dupree were honorable mention. I don't know if Bud Dupree was honorable. There were, I mean, Tannehill was an honorable mention. I saw that. Sure. I know they I said that. Well, there was one honorable other. Mention, I, I mean, he received votes. He received a few yeah, votes. Yeah, receiving Tannehill. votes. Because this was a poll they did this, by the way. The way they right. did this, they polled like right. 50 coaches, executives, scouts, yada, yada. So Tannehill got votes, just not enough to get into the top 10. Right, right, right. So, yeah, anyway, Titans getting a lot of love. They have a good team. They should they should do big things this year. It doesn't stop Colin Cowherd from predicting an 8-9 and nine season. But, hey, eight you know and nine. what? 8-9, I thought, oh, man, 8-9. and nine. I mean, what are we – if they're 8-9, a they lot They haven't of been that bad since Marcus Mariota's rookie season. Right, yeah. That's true. They've won more than eight games every year for, what, five years in a row, I think. Yes, yes. Five Because they had the four, nine, and sevens in a row. And then they yes. were 11 and five last year. So that's eight and nine. I mean, I, I don't know if he's just trying to troll and get attention. I mean, Titans aren't typically a team, you know, not a huge market team, obviously. Right. So I don't know if he's trying to troll potentially, but eight and nine, I, I'd like to know where that comes from. Yeah, really. If they're eight and nine, like I said, something went horribly wrong and people are injured. Ryan Tannehill's yeah. injured. Derrick Henry's yeah. injured. Whatever it is, a lot of Even injuries if, if they're eight I feel like it's, I feel like they could survive. I don't know. Maybe I'm too optimistic. But I mean, the weapons on offense. If Tannehill got injured, it's not like the quarterback has to do a whole lot right now with who. Aren't you arguing almost by saying that by not putting Tannehill in the top ten? By I'm saying right. I'm saying Tannehill can elevate this offense to being a top offense in the NFL. But true. If Deshaun Kaiser had to come in and run things, nah, you know, I don't know. Like, I think a. I, I think Henry, a bad QB's a bad QB. Give it to, to Julio you, so. and watch the magic happen. <laughs> I don't Brown. think the weapons would be. I mean, this is a whole other thing we're getting into, but I don't think the weapons would be. All right, we'll do QB honest. expectations another we'll time. We'll do QB Thanks expectations for tuning time. in to this podcast. If you're still with us, we appreciate your time during this fun July offseason. Be sure to check out broadwaysportsmedia.com for all coverage. Titans, Nashville SC, U.S. men's soccer team. And the Predators as well, even though they, uh, what's going on with the Predators? They traded one of their 
best no, player. I don't you're, follow. You're, you're good, eh? Uh, no, long-time goalkeeper <laughs> Pekka Rene retired. Oh, he tired. you're retired. That's One right. One of the NHL. greatest goalkeepers in the modern uh, NHL day. You can tell you're from California. You're probably not a hockey guy much. Yeah. Or from Texas, I should say it that. Um, uh, and you can tell I'm Canadian, probably. Uh, Pekka Rene retired recently, uh, just the other day. One of the greatest goalkeepers, uh, I think, in modern-day NHL. Certainly one of the most important athletes in, in Nashville history of the city. I mean, if, if I think we've talked about this on Twitter, but if the city of Nashville were to build a Mount Rushmore of the most important athletes uh, in the city's history, I think there's no doubt that Pekka Rene would be on that thing, right next to Steve McNair, uh, Eddie George, and, and whoever else you think goes on there. But that's how important Rene has been to the Nashville Predators. That's how important he was, in my opinion, to the goalkeeper position and to the NHL. So best of luck to Pekka Rene. He sounds really happy. Sounds like he made his decision. He doesn't regret it one bit. You know, he talked about the struggle with COVID and, and and a bunch of other stuff that went on last season. So he's at peace with his decision. He got a great sending off. And, and, and what we didn't know was his final game at the time. But I believe it was a shutout at home. So it worked out perfectly for him. It's a great way for him to play his final game in Nashville. Uh, another thing I, I quickly want to mention, switching topics. But you're listening to this on Friday. Uh, a day ago on Thursday, um, uh, I, I published a story uh, with Melvin Sanders. You might you might be familiar with Melvin Sanders because he's Derrick Henry's personal trainer. And training Derrick Henry for four years, all of your favorite workout videos that you've seen go viral on Twitter from Derrick Henry, that is with Melvin Sanders, right? That, that is, that is uh, Sanders Fitness uh, on Instagram, working out Henry. Uh, a couple of months ago, before the Julio Jones trade, you may have remembered that Julio Jones uh, worked out with Derrick Henry and Melvin Sanders. Clips went viral of Henry and Julio working working together everyone freaked out because Julio wasn't a Titan yet but everyone knew they were in you know they were in the running for him oh my god Julio's coming to Tennessee he's working out with Derrick Henry yada yada sure enough of course that came true but I, I got to work on a story where I got to call Melvin Sanders uh, and discuss what that weekend was like because the, the three of them uh, Sanders Henry and Julio spent an entire weekend together working out like three times a day going to lunch together, going to dinner together. It gave me a really good peek into not only the Julio Jones and Derrick Henry relationship as, as Sanders watched it develop before his eyes and what we can kind of expect uh, from the two of them, at least from a, you know, a, a personality standpoint and a relationship standpoint. But he also had some great insight into where he thinks Julio Jones is at right now physically. Right from a physical standpoint. So uh, if you haven't had a chance to read it yet, I, I recommend it, not just because I wrote it, but I think there's some really, really good insight there. Uh, if you're a Titans fan, I, I think you would have liked to be a fly on the wall that weekend, watching Julio and Derek work out together right before they became teammates. So a lot of great stories shared with me from that weekend. And uh, go ahead, give it a read. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Nice. Definitely check that out on BroadwaySportsMedia.com. Check out John Glennon's column on Pekka Rene's retirement. Check out uh, what Ben Wright wrote about Nashville SC paying a bunch of money for some... Trey's been working on a lot. Yeah, they got a new DP, Nashville SC as well. Yeah. A, a, a guy coming over from, uh, I believe, played in the, in the Mexican League, which is obviously a much better league than the MLS is typically. So that's a big signing uh, for Nashville SC. And they paid a fair amount of money for him. Uh, I've got a lot of stuff on the way, a lot of stuff on the way that I'm really excited to unleash. I'll probably wait a little closer to camp as I start dropping them, but I, I am working on something that I've really enjoyed. When I say working on something, I mean 10 to 15 different articles that I'll be running as a series. Nice. 
Nice, one a yeah. Day. We'll, we'll be publishing one a day. I'll say that much. All right, that'll do it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Music City Audible. We'll be back next week to continue this series, so come back then. And until then, stay safe out there. Possibly think about getting your vaccine and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.